This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode 8. I'm Eric Moore and making up this two-man death squad is section leader Marchant. Hello, Eric. Hello, Ian. You ready for today? Episode 8, yeah. Episode 8. Where's the time gone? It's going fast, isn't it? Yeah. But we're having a good time doing it. I think that's what it is. It it is. We're we're travelling at time just stop five and we're having a laugh. I don't know if anybody listening to it is having a good well, time. They yeah. might be going at time distort half or something. Yeah. Is anyone listening? I think that yeah. would be the question. I think so. Hello, thank you. Hello, to, yes, hello. yes. Thank you to anybody uh, out there that has been, you know, posting and liking on the Blake Seven in Character Facebook page. We do appreciate it, and it's nice to see, you know, uh, an acknowledgement that there actually is it's, people bothering it's, it's to nice, listen nice, to this. Yeah, it's nice to read it. Even the even the negative stuff, if there's any. Obviously, only about Eric. I don't hear anything negative <laughs> about me. But, yeah, it's nice to know that we're not just shouting into the wilderness. Mm, mm-hmm. Indeed, very much That so. could have been a good name for a podcast, actually, couldn't it? Shouting into the wilderness. Shouting into yeah. the wilderness. I think on some po- podcasts, they could call that that. Yeah. They could, yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So here we go. Our first return to um, season three. Obviously, the first time Indeed, we had season yeah. three, we had the mighty babe and the butcher, and it's a case of follow that. And so I've, I've chosen section leader Clegg because if you're going to follow babe and the butcher, yeah, he 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 he's close behind, isn't he? He is. He's a, he's a good good solid character played by a beloved actor. Um, so if anyone can sort of fill Colin's boots uh, metaphorically, I think Clegg possibly can. Indeed. All right, well, let's get started then. Um, after those awful opening credits. Yeah, um, they haven't, still not grown on me. They've not they're grown jarring. On me. They are jarring. I, I think I've said to you before, I'm introducing our youngest to Blake Seven, and we're in season two now. And yep. um, so every time you zip forward to one of the uh, um, later seasons, it's like, oof. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, I think so, things should improve, shouldn't they? They shouldn't. They shouldn't get worse looking. No, as you, you go shouldn't. On. You shouldn't go backwards. But no. yeah, after these uh, rather yeah iffy um, credits, um, we start, and this is the only episode of Blake Seven where we have a reenactment of the end of the previous episode. Yeah, they didn't do it a lot, did they? They at the end. Um, I think the, the the episode after Star One, they did a little where. No, they didn't, did they? They went straight into completely different footage of the battle that didn't match the previous. Mm. Sort We've of, said uh, before shots. that when you've got a gap between seasons, they've they've um, believed that you know the fan base, that the audience remember what happened almost a year before. But here, this is only yeah. a week later. But it, I can see why they've done it. It's almost like a Doctor Who thing, isn't it? To reenact the last like thirty seconds of the previous one, just to remind you, because it is this is a two part story, basically, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, in in the uh, the beloved VHS compilations, this is one that 
that moved very smoothly between episodes because it is you're you're right it's it's almost a two part that's been cut in half um rather than a completely new story uh, it must have been i mean if you hadn't seen last week's back in the 70s um it must have been a bit jarring to to well, sort of what what what's happening mm, mm. but uh yeah here we go i mean you know at the end of uh, the first episode avon and dana being back aboard or sorry yep. wrong wrong series teleport teleported yeah. teleport back, back <laughs> to the liberator and here we have tarrant um, yeah our first glimpse of the uh, the smug git the, with the smug git saying about yeah. how a summary execution, you know, as usual, uh, what are you doing on my ship? And, you know, Avon does that yeah, little it, slip. He does, yes. And and Tarrant, I found him, he fits this episode, which is, I, I suppose it's it makes sense because the character was written for this episode and then progressed onwards. But the the, the smugness, the, it all sort of fits in this one, which it he didn't really mellow. They should have mellowed him, I think. But yeah, he's. Uh, I, I like him in this. I think he's. He's. He adds to the because the first, I remember the first time I watched it, you don't immediately guess what's happening. No, it's not obvious. And you're right. He's good. This is the best yeah. I've ever seen Tarrant. Afterwards, this it's is such the, a this shame. This is the best he will ever be. Yes. Yeah. It's all downhill yeah. from here. And he looks he's good. Not... He looks good yeah, in his he... Federation uniform, doesn't he? He does. He does. Like I say, his smugness, his haughtiness, his bearing—it all fits that. If they, they should have left him in that uniform, that would have been quite good. Mm. Although it would, have, it would have made recording the sound horrible because he does. Uh, he does. <laughs> he creak does a rustle. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he he has his little exchange with uh, Avon, and then you know our character this week comes in. Section leader Clegg and company uh, come rustling in as well, don't they? Summary execution is the usual punishment for boarding a Federation ship without authority. What are you doing on my ship? Your ship. That's right. You were supposed to search the ship. These two should have been found. Where were you hiding? We weren't hiding. We've only just realized there was anyone else on board. We were on a civilian ship that got caught up in the battle. We managed to dock our life capsule alongside this ship and come aboard. Just the two of you? We were exhausted and settled into a cabin. We've been sleeping for hours. Have your men make another search and this time see they do it properly. Harmon? You heard the officer. What's your name? My name is Chevron. This is my wife, Dana. You have identification. We lost everything when our ship was hit. We were lucky to get out with our lives. We've all been lucky. Not many of our people survived the battle. Captain Del Tarrant. Section leader Clegg. They do. And um, Michael Shear, doesn't he look hard in this? I've got here. In the sense that he could beat you up, yeah. I will read you my notes for this. Michael Shared looks double hard here. Has he lost weight? The shaven head and stubble helps, and he looks good too in the uniform. He does. He looks like he does. a convict, doesn't he? Yeah. An out-and-out I mean, out convict. He's such a good actor, so it shouldn't be a surprise. But it is a shock because a certain anyone of a certain age, he's Mr. Bronson from Grange Hill, mm. and he in this he sort of he's wearing a different clothes, obviously, but he's 
it's not like they've done much to his face. Like you say, other than he's got a bit of stubble. But the way he acts it, oh, he's hard. You would not want to cross him. No. Brilliant acting. Brilliant acting. Oh, yeah. Physically, Brilliant I think, acting. though, the other thing that is different for him is, um, you know, Mr. Bronson wears glasses. You know, when That's he was true. in that yeah. uh, Sylvester McCoy uh, Dalek story, he wears glasses. Here he hasn't got his glasses on. Can and, you uh, look hard wearing glasses? Now, I'm a, I I'm a glasses wearer. Can you? <laughs> oh, well, there we go. <laughs> Perhaps it's just me. Well, I, I've, I've worn glasses pretty much my life, and it does curtail certain activities in life, and I think one of them is looking hard. And I mean, you can, you can be like the Terminator wearing sunglasses and that, but you, you, yeah, you're, I, I think as soon as you put glasses on, you're, you've, you've diminished any sort of threat you might have. I think the only person I can think of that, that pulls off glasses and is really threatening is Clarence Bodica from Robocop. Yeah, no, that's a good, good one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the Clark Kent thing, isn't it? Put yeah, glasses on, just... and yeah, you, you instantly, well, you don't instantly become meeker, but you know what I'm saying, you know, because um, that was always ridiculous in the Tim Burton Batman films when Bruce Wayne would put glasses on. It's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, mm. it, but it, it does it. Yeah, it does something to the character. I'm not. I mean, I don't. We've seen some sort of space glasses, haven't we? Because Dana's dad wore space glasses. <laughs> he did, um, didn't he? Boy, yeah. did he wear them! <laughs> I can you imagine Clegg wearing those? I'd pay to see that. Actually, if someone, <laughs> if someone could Photoshop that together, I think that that would look amazing. Yeah, no, he does look hard, and it's at this moment, you know, that Avon does some on-the-spot lying, you know, this is my wife, Dana, and he calls himself Chevron. Yeah. Which is an I odd don't... choice of names, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I wonder if, like, um, it, it, whether he's just been driving or something. Whether yeah, yeah, yeah. Drove, drove yeah he could have said double yellow here, lines or something like that, yeah. couldn't he? Yeah, Chevron. Uh, we're going off topic a bit here, but I like in Blake 7 how you've got unusual names for people, you know, like Kerr, Avon, and, you know, Villa Restor, and, you know, Oleg Gan. I don't like it when you have Earth names. Callie should have been named something else, or actually spell it differently, you know? That's yeah. too modern, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, th I think Callie sort of works, um, but, yeah, if, if she had been called Maureen, wouldn't have worked, <laughs> would it? George no, no, Avon, no. yeah. George Avon, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a that... weird... Yeah, I was going to say, it's a weird naming convention in Blake 7 as well, as to whether first names are used or surnames, mm. isn't it? It's, it's quite it strange. It is very yeah. strange, yeah, 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 yeah. Villa, you know, is called by his first name, Avon's called by his last name, Blake's called by his last name, you know, Jenna's called by her first name, it, yeah, yeah, it is a bit weird. Yeah, it doesn't, I mean, I, I can't think, I suppose in the military you're called by your last name. I'm trying to think if I've ever worked at a job where they, they would say, Oi, Marchant. I don't, I can't think so. I mean, generally, first names is what it is, isn't it? And, or Mr. And yeah. then you're saying. I just don't like contemporary names in Blake 7. The worst one, no. of course, you know, is going to be an episode sometime that we're going to do, which is in The Keeper, where, um, you know, this the, the, the king of that planet, you know, he's got a brother called Rod. Um, Rod, yeah. Which always takes me out of it. You know? Yeah, he sounds more like a supply teacher, doesn't he, Rod? Reverse it. Call him Dor, D-O-R. Dor, there you go, Rod. yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, okay, back on track. Um, you know, Tarrant, he gives his name, and um, they all go off to the bridge. And I love this moment where, um, you know, uh, section leader Clegg actually gives his name of 
section leader Clegg. Section leader Clegg. And I love the the way that he says it, Michael Shared says it, but also, did you notice, when he says it, everybody's already buggered off. Yeah, yeah. They've is... already walked away, and he's got think... section leader Clegg. He's, he's just selling himself, and he's building himself up. He's obviously yeah. got sort of uh, morale issues. Interesting, though, that he is Clegg with a K, mm. and that sort of fits his ruthlessness, doesn't it? If he was Clegg with a C... Uh, you know, you're into different area, aren't you? You're into, you know, rolling down in bathtubs in Yorkshire. <laughs> it, so I think Clegg with a K, his parents knew what they were doing. Uh, no, I think I know what they're doing, and I'm saving that for behind the scenes oh, because I think of, I know the reason why he's spelt with a K and not a C. Okay, and it's nothing to do with Last of the Summer Wine. Okay. Ah, oh, interesting. Or it's not that it is actually his first and surname, and it's actually Kevin Legg. And he calls himself Clegg. <laughs> We're back to the contemporary names yeah. again, if that's the case. No, 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 it's something else. Something oh, else. Oh, I look okay. forward to that. That sounds interesting. Indeed. All right, well, they're taken to the flight deck, and they find out that Tarrant and Clegg want to know if they're part of Blake's crew, as the ship isn't responding to them. Uh, but they do know it's responding to a long-off long off call. And um, Clegg is obviously, he's already doubting Avon, and he tells yep. them that they each need to say a line. If Zen doesn't answer them, then they're in the clear. And Avon objects, and we get that. I love it. Um, Clegg, he he lifts his rifle up. He puts his hand over his forearm, and it's like, over here. You know, brilliant. Yeah. You need one of the original crew back on board to put the ship under your control. That's exactly right. Have you heard any transmission yet? Thousands of them. The communication channels are thick with distress calls. But there is one. One special one keeps coming in every hour or so. It's a long way off, a very weak signal. But every time we hear it, the computer registers a power surge as if it was reacting to the voice. If your theory is correct, it could be a member of the crew. We think so. The ship's gone into direct line flight now. It could be homing in on the signal. But just before it settled on this flight path, the ship went through some very precise maneuvers which took it close to a planet. A navigational check, presumably. Yes, maybe. But shortly after that, you two appeared. Coincidence. Pure coincidence. I do not believe in coincidence, pure or otherwise. I don't care what you believe in. Why should you doubt me? Your fine section leader, Clegg, doubts everything. He even questions my superior rank. I accept that your rank places you in authority, sir. But my reports will show that my men and I boarded this ship before you. Oh, don't worry. You'll get all the credit you deserve. Thank you, sir. Now, in the meantime, and with your permission, I suggest we confirm that neither of these two are members of Blake's crew. You have my permission to try. You will each speak a line into the computer's audio command circuit. If the computer does not recognise the voice, it will not respond. It's, the body language is, is right. I mean, it's the sign of a good actor, isn't it? The body language is right for the character. You sometimes get, um, w without belittling, extras that are bumped up to saying a line and they don't act it the body language is all wrong but this yeah he's he's really good in this in, interesting as well that he also doesn't trust Tarrant does he Clegg at, the, at this point he's sort of he I think there, there is a line in there where um, uh, they, he mentioned that he doesn't trust Tarrant and is it that he he's a good judge of character Clegg hmm I th mm. no, I I I, th I think it's that old standby of don't trust anyone with a perm. Yeah, that's what it is. 
That, yeah, well, that's, that's good rules to live by that, I think. For, he might have trusted Tarrant more if Tarrant kept the helmet on all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, that, it would make him much more trustworthy. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, the, the dynamics in this group. And it's also, it relies on um, the conceit that no one, like, as a very wanted man, no one knows what Avon looks like. Or that they haven't they haven't got the ability to I mean because we're back in the Blake's analog universe there's no internet they can't you know they can't just look up online and say oh hang on this this Chevron guy he's a dead ringer for Avon because they know the this, Liberator don't they Yeah I think in this universe you know the it, it's an old style cowboy wanted poster there are like yeah. line drawings of Paul Darrow with wanted underneath that's what it's like in this universe Yeah you could be right because jumping forward a bit we do we later find out that tarrant is a wanted person as well but they don't recognize him either so either these these death troops of clegs were doing something that kept them out of the, the you know the the main business of the federation um or yeah they they just didn't bother sending photos out saying blake's <laughs> crew they look like this yeah it would have helped wouldn't it it would it have would helped have, in this yeah. situation but uh, Dana, she speaks the line and, you know, she's in the clear. Um, yep. And as Avon goes to do so, Tarrant wallops him. Um, Dana goes for Clegg and Tarrant knocks her out. And uh, they're sent off to be locked up. And that's when we first hear from Villa. Yes. Who, yeah. turns out this long off uh, call is from Villa. Uh, now, we're going to totally skip over Villa and Callie's part of this story as it's very entertaining and deserving an episode of its own so we're going to hold that back and we're going to feature it in a future episode devoted to john hollis's lom okay yeah i i think you're right in in the in the production it deserved an episode of its own as well i i would have loved if these would have been separate episodes because mm. a whole episode of of the avon and clegg show yeah i i would have gone for that that would have been good and also it would have meant if episode two is you know the avon and clegg show uh, number three is uh, Villa and Cali. We would never have had Volcano then. That's true. So that's that's the highest recommendation for doing it that way. Yep. In, interesting. If it was made now, that of course that's what programs do now, isn't it? You get you, you get an episode concentrating on. So you have the main storyline, then you get an episode. You, you end on a big cliffhanger. You think, oh, what's happening next week? And then the next week's episode is about a different character. Mm. You know, like The Walking Dead, uh, Game of Thrones, Lost. They all tended to do it. Um, but yeah, here it's almost as if this we're back into the the old-fashioned way of doing drama, where you had to you had to keep on top of the characters. Yeah, you had to get it all wrapped up in one yeah. show, didn't you? And it, it's such a shame because you know, as much as I enjoy the Planet Chenga scenes, it's taken you away from the Clegg Liberator scenes, you know. And I just yeah, wanted when, to see more. That's right. When you're when you're when you're on the Clegg Liberator scenes, you're thinking. What's happening with Ava, uh, with uh, Villa? And then when you're with Villa, you're thinking, oh, what's happening on the ship? Mm, it, yeah. Which is good. I mean, from a drama point of view, it's good. It it creates tension. You want to go on, but it's a little bit frustrating. You wanna you wanna get a bit more into depth into these two storylines. They're not. It's not like there's an A and a B storyline. We've got two solid A storylines. Two A's. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly put, Ian. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. All right. Well, Avon comes round in this room that they've been locked into, and I love his brilliant. This is my ship. 
and, yeah. and that glare. He he, he virtually yeah. breaks the fourth wall because he turns round and he glares as he goes. Um... This is my ship. To start with, we get out of here. And once we're out, this is my ship. He's he's a he's a good a good little actor, isn't he? Old Paul Darry playing Avon. He he, you buy it. It's like yeah, you you feel his. It's it's the anger he's got that someone would be on his ship. He's finally got rid of Blake. <laughs> you know? It's like he's finally got the deeds to this ship, and someone else appears. I bet he had a real spring in his step, you know, in the last yeah. episode, you know, <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm being teleported up to the, <laughs> up to the Liberator, must, yeah. and it's mine, mine, mine. He must have known that no one else was on board, or he thought no one else was on board. It's like, he's got rid of everyone, he's got his ship. I wonder what he would have done. I think he would have cleared off, just him and yeah, Dana. I think, I, right. I think they would have just yeah. cleared off. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about that at the end of this, uh, the show today, yeah. uh, about, you know, what potentially would have been the next move. But um, outside the room, we get a POV shot of someone approaching the guard. Um, we cut back inside, and Avon gets the door open, and they find that the guard is dead, um, sat in his chair with a knife in his back. Yeah, um, which is a difficult way to commit suicide, which is the brilliant line. Yeah, and then Dana says maybe he was cleaning it, and it went off. Yeah, yeah I, I like the good... humour in this episode. Yeah, I, I, I do, and it's not... It's not forced. It flows from the character. It's really good. Um, I just got to make one mention um, of the circuit board that Avon <laughs> rigs up. It's which is just a, like a piece of cardboard with masking tape stuck yeah. to it. Um, I, I I mean, you get with Blake Seven, you get very much used to giving it a bit of slack when it comes mm. to things like that. But that just it was I just I was laughing out loud when I watched it again. It was just like, oh dear, well don't don't do a close up on that guy. But it's something, you know, we've mentioned before on this show and on our sister show, effectively speaking, is yeah. that when these were transmitted, we were yes, all watching these right. on yeah. much smaller televisions with um much less uh resolution and picture reception. So maybe back in you yeah, know yeah, nineteen seventy nine that was perfectly adequate, you know? You're ab- absolutely right. Yeah, it's um, HD doesn't doesn't sort of it doesn't uh, suit Blake Seven. Yeah, I mean, you're I right. mean, they keep talking about this, don't they? They keep talking about a Blu-ray release of Blake Seven, and unfortunately, because so much of it, you know, was filmed on video, and yeah. so much of the production was rather, you know, cheap. Um, it's yeah. not going to show up too well, is it? No, it it's not going to. I mean. If it, the, like you say, the film parts, you're right. You can you can blow them up to HD and it looks glorious, and like something like uh, the original Star Trek when they did the Blu-ray releases for that, and it was all on film and Space Night and I, it looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This this would look shoddy, I think. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they want to re they want to do a VHS edition on Blu-ray. It's like a Blu-ray's box set with a VHS option so you press a button and it it just blurs <laughs> okay well they run off as Clegg and Tarrant arrive and they go under the floor into the inspection channels and Avon says to Dana that they go the length of the ship and that made me wonder how does Avon yeah. know that has he actually you know on a quiet day decided to climb down and scramble through all these channels yeah it's interesting because I, I thought this watching a few of the other episodes where within a couple of episodes series wise, and you don't really know, I suppose how long that is ship time, 
they're very familiar with this ship, aren't they? They're mm. not considering it's not theirs. They've never had any manuals, anything like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Avon to memorize the the sewers on the ship, you know, just in case. Um, but yeah, it, how does he how does he know this? And also, he goes the ship's length. That's presumably quite a distance. Mm. It's quite a big ship. I, I do like the fact they Villa come down up, there. Yeah. Yeah, he could have done and told him to map it out, yeah, yeah, with, a, yeah. with a pad and some crayons. <laughs> and they come up in exactly the same. They don't, and that annoyed me a little bit. They, they could have done something, just put a panel on the wall, anything, to make it not as obvious that this is exactly the same. They've just gone they down, did, didn't they? switched the camera off, switched it on, came up. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have taken much, you know, just to disguise it a bit. Indeed, but they do. They they come back up and uh, they forget to put the handles down on the hatch. Yeah, rookie um, mistake. It is a rookie mistake. I guess that was Dana. Um, yeah. I don't think Avon would have uh, missed that. But um, it's noticed by two of Clegg's men, who one goes off to tell him, and the other stays to stand guard. Um, he hears someone approach, turns, and says, "We've got them." And we cut to the first one telling Clegg. Now. This is the problem I've got with this, is time is screwed up here because... Yeah, very much so. Very much so, because we're going to later find out that it's Tarrant who's picking off Clegg's men, okay? But as this guy says to Clegg, we found them, section leader, we found them, Tarrant arrives momentarily after the first guy, which means Tarrant went up to that guy when the guy says we found them, killed that guard, put him down in the inspection hatch, and then managed to catch up with the first guard to arrive, what, two seconds yeah, uh, after he so did. E- either the first guard stopped off to have a, you know, to, to have a wee in the toilet. <laughs> you don't I didn't know. think about that. Yeah. And, and Tarrant's just hanging up out, or hanging around outside saying, come on, come on. Um, but also at the beginning, going, going back to where you say the one of the, do these guards ever have any names? I don't know. One of them wanders One's off. One's called Harmon. Harmon. He- yeah, he's the only one that's named, yes. Oh, dangerously close to a, a modern name, isn't it? Mr. Harmon. He, <laughs> does his brother work at Grace Brothers? Um, so so he goes off, and almost to me, he, he must have been in, still in earshot for when the guy, the other guard turns around and says, oh, we've got them, to what we find out is Tarrant. So that bit's a bit out of sync as well. The, yeah, it just a couple of minutes you know not even that 30 seconds would have made it work but then it, it would have made it even worse at the other end yeah i've got a problem with earshot as well later on in in this uh in this show where you know the whole avon talking to zen thing oh, and nobody yeah. heard that you know uh, and it's only just down the corridor but we'll come to that in a minute because clegg and co they go to the hatch they open it and fire before noticing it's one of their own down there and uh, meanwhile, Avon is getting ready to launch a life capsule and tells Dana to fire two shots to draw the baddies' attention to the area. Now, yeah. when she does that, and it's like, come on, and they go running off, doesn't Clegg wonder why there's gunshots? I mean, all his men are with him. Him and Tarrant and all his men are together. Doesn't he think, why are they yeah, firing I... a gun? Yeah, he should, he, should, he should think that. Why are they firing? Who are they firing at? But also... They they do this, so he fires or Dana fires. Does that not damage anything? <laughs> you can't you can't shoot up in the air on a spaceship. No, you cannot. You know, and they, it, it, that always worries me in these sort of programs that that they do this. 
and you think, oh, you either just damaged a wall or you've just shot some could-be-vital bit of circuitry. Mm, mm. But they go running off to find out what's going on. Avon and Dana, they hide back in their room because as Avon says, he says, where's the uh, least likely place that you would think of looking for us, which is a good idea. And uh, we we cut back to Clegg and he's not happy. We've got that whole, they've made fools, fools, us, fools of us. Are you sure it hasn't got us? I love that bit. They made fools of us. We had them. And they get away. Killed two of us and escaped on a life capsule. None of that is going to look good on either of our records, sir. Thank you, Clegg. I'm aware it's not likely to bring instant promotion. Still, we do have the Liberator. Do we? Are you sure it's not the other way around? It's doing what it wants, going where it wants. Are you sure it hasn't got us? Yeah, it's, again, pretty much every scene with Clegg sparkles, doesn't it? It's... Mm. It's, he's such a watchable character. Again, really, really good bad guys on Blake Seven, isn't it? You, you know, there's been a few duffers, but usually really well played. It's what you say there. Michael shared. I mean, he is a watchable actor. Yeah. I, I, you, you name anything he's been in, and you will just watch him because he has just got that something, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's um, whatever part he's playing, he's believable as. Mm. And I say for him to be so intimidating in this, and he's he's not that tall. He's quite older in this, bald. Like, it, he shouldn't be intimidating, but he is. He really there's a, a real a sort of aura of menace about him. I tell you what, I've only just thought of this now. But if you was to get a photo of him as Clegg and turn it into black and white, he would look like a Charlie Chaplin villain. I could really see him being yeah. a, a Charlie Chaplin villain. You know. Yeah, he. Uh, although I think he would have just shot Chaplin's Trump character, yeah. wouldn't he? <laughs> he wouldn't have given him any benefit of the doubt. All right. So we cut back to the planet, and when we're back on the ship, Avon can't figure things out of, you know, just who shot the guard. It won't fit into any logical pattern. What won't? Who killed the guard and why? Oh, he's just one less to deal with. Do we care why? Why leave him sitting there? To delay discovery and give the murderer a chance to get away. A personal grudge? One of the others has been waiting for a chance to settle an old score. That's a possibility. Can you think of another? Yes, just one. There's someone else on this ship that neither they nor we know about. Last week or the week before, my brain is gone, um, we did a season four episode. And in that one, Avon guesses and knows everything. Mm. And then in this one, he's very much, he doesn't, guess and know everything he can't work it out even though you as a viewer probably are ahead of him at this point hmm. like i say they do they do a good job trying to work you know keep it because they make a play of is someone else on the ship bum, bum, yeah bum. that's what i was going to say you know, avon yeah. is actually wrong this time he yeah. thinks there's somebody else on board that they don't know about isn't it nice to be still in a season where the lead characters can be completely wrong though hmm yeah. In season four, they generally aren't, are they? They're, well, they're... this is the appeal. This is the appeal of these earlier yeah. Uh, seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed, as you say, to season four. But Avon, he, he leaves the room and he's on his way. He notices this guy, Harmon, the only other guy uh, yeah. mentioned. He, he He's coming out of what we find out later is the strong room and he's carrying a pouch. Um, 
Tarrant's up on the bridge and he works out that they're on their way to the planet Chenga. He leaves the bridge and in comes Avon, who gets to talk to Zen. And again, this is what I'm talking about earshot. You know, Tarrant has only yeah. just left. He, he's just a little way down that corridor before Zen starts talking. Zen, I want a status check. Keep it down to basics. I don't have too much time. All systems are fully operational. Computers are responding to a program of search, locate, and recovery. Have you anything on Blake's whereabouts? His last voice transmission reported that he is safe and well and en route for the planet Epheron. Epheron? It is a planet of the system Loritol. It has several primitive life forms. Don't give me the whole thing. I'll punch up the reference. What about the others? Jenna received superficial injuries in a life capsule malfunction. Sure, right? She reports she is well and aboard a neutral cargo carrier in transit to the planet Morphenial. She advises that her situation requires no priority treatment. Callie. No contact. Villa. He is injured and according to his last transmission in grave peril. Accordingly, his recovery has been given maximum priority. Where is he? The planet Chenga. Teleport range will be achieved in precisely three hours and 8.5 minutes. All right, continue recovery program. Yeah, and he's not—he's uh, not a quiet voice, is he? Zen. He's—he's he's got quite a volume on him. Hmm. He doesn't whisper. Yeah. yeah. Now we find out from Zen that Blake is okay and heading to the planet Epheron, and yeah. that Jenna is going to a place called Morphenial. Okay. And this is the—I'm. This is it, isn't it? This is the last time Jenna is ever mentioned in the show yeah. ever again. Yeah, and I think um, it possibly is the last mention of Blake till a villa mentions him in uh, City on the Edge of the World. Yeah, when he says, he says I, I, I was with I, Blake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they very quickly, it's like, because I don't think we get any scenes in the next episode of them searching for Blake or anything like that, do we? I don't think so. All right, well, this is what I was going to say at the end of the episode, but we might as well say it now. When we get to the end of this episode, okay, they've got their ship back, they've got two new crew, okay? They know where Blake is going, they know where Jenna's going. Now, of course, Avon doesn't want Blake back no. because Avon now considers this his ship. But Tarrant has said that, you know, oh, I'm a pilot, but he's not the best pilot, you know, like Jenna was. You would... I know contractually they can't yeah. go and find Jenna, you know, um, she's not in the show anymore, but it would have been nice to have had some sort of reason or a mention of why, maybe they, an, an offhanded remark that they went to this Morphenial and the trail went cold. They don't know where Jenna is, you know. She's not mentioned again until the very, very last episode of Blake 7, isn't she? Yeah, it's, um, I, I, from, like I say, from a production point of view, you can see why they do it, because they don't want the audience thinking of the older characters. It's like, no. we've got these wonderful new characters. Think of them. Um, but it, it it is weird that they don't really give any on-screen explanation of why they're not going after Blake or Jenna. Like I say, even if, if like they got Zen picked up a message from Blake, telling them not to come and get him and that could have been a an interesting sort of uh plot line but yeah it's just like blake blake who 
Because, oh, his name's yeah, in the titles. Oops. Yeah, yeah, you've just made me think of yeah. both Blake and Jenna on their respective planets, looking at their Wait, watch, going, yeah. come on, where are you, Avon? Come on, come and get me, come and get me, you know? And it never yeah. happens. And they're in contact with Zen, aren't yes. they? So it's not like, you know, unless, unless uh, Avon set them to the blocks list on Zen's communication... So, so Blake's trying to contact Zen, say, wait, where you got to? And it's coming up with, you know, just like going to voicemail, mm. going to Avon's voicemail. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, this, this exchange between Avon and, and Zen is over because uh, he legs it when Clegg and the guard bring in an unconscious Dana. And I, again, it's the delivery of uh, Michael Shared, you know, the whole bring her around. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Love it. Yeah, he's he's just good, isn't he? He's creepy and nasty and fits the part perfectly. He is. Per- that, that's the word. He mm. is perfect in this. Yes. Um, Avon returns to his room, but he's caught. And uh, yeah. here we have Tarrant, you know, um, talking to him. And this, this is part of Stephen Pace's screen test for the role. Um, oh, right. Yeah, if you go to the extras on the DVD, you see Stephen Pacey, uh, he, he goes through this speech partly with David Maloney, uh, the producer, and partly with uh, Paul Darrow. And they, they show you this bit where he says, you weren't Blake, I would have recognised him. And that I, I like that line because he says, you weren't Blake, I'd, I'd have recognised him. In the very last episode, Blake, where Tarrant meets Blake, Tarrant doesn't recognise Blake. Now, I know Blake's got a scar then, but he's still got the perm. You know, <laughs> he still looks like Blake. Why Why didn't Tarrant recognise Blake in the very last episode? Then? Yeah, I know, yeah, I've never thought of that. Unless um, it's bullshit. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. It's well, Tarrant, well, you, you know, bragging. Maybe that's yeah, what well, it I, is. I, well, I also, I I would think it's, it's Tarrant, because everything Tarrant does is also a little put down for everyone else. So I wonder if this was him saying, you're not as famous as Blake, Avon. Yeah, you're not good enough it, to be. It's a yeah. dig, yeah. Yeah, if, if you were if Blake, you were I wouldn't have caught Blake. you. Oh, yeah, Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is a lovely little character. You know, that fits what we know of uh, of, of Tarrant and his swagger. Yeah. But he's, he's at his swaggering best in this scene, though, isn't he? He's really, And it fits, this this level of overconfidence of him, because mm. he's... he's he, He's trying to impress Avon, but at the same time, he already, if Avon turned his back, I don't think he would think twice about stabbing him in it, would he? He's, yeah, there, sure. There's no, straight away, there's no love lost between these two characters. Mm. Yeah. But Avon, he accuses Harmon of, because Harmon's there, uh, of killing the, other, the two others, as, that, as the room he was coming out of was the strong room full of gems. He has a wrestle before being shot by Tarrant, who then says it wasn't him, but him. And then that's yeah, when we it... get Tarrant's backstory. Del Tarrant. Who are you? I've been on the Federation wanted list for quite a while. I had my own ship. I was running contraband, getting myself mixed up in other people's wars, you know, the sort of thing. Naturally, I heard something of what Blake and the rest of you were doing. We tried not to keep it a secret. How did you get here? Like you, I went in against the aliens. Unlike you, I barely survived the first salvo. I was picked up by a Federation ship. That's how I came by the uniform. When she was hit and we abandoned, my life capsule homed in on the Liberator. 
She was still in bad shape, but the repair circuits were beginning to make headway. Were Clegg and his men already here? Yes, so I had no choice but to bluff it out and pretend I was Federation. The man I got the uniform from outranked Clegg, and I trained as a Federation space captain, so it wasn't too difficult. You certainly convinced me, especially when you cracked me over the back of the head. Yes, sorry about that, but I knew if you spoke, the computer would identify you. Were you planning to kill all of them? Yes, if necessary. It's not quite as callous as it might seem. Almost, but not quite. Clegg and his men are the Federation's death squad. They have a record of brutality hard to match. You don't have to apologize to me. I wasn't. Yeah, and it's quite nice because... Because if, if... Say it wasn't Taron, that's quite a weird thing for the, the, the a Federation guard to do, and it is to shoot the guy that that's wrestling with the prisoner <laughs> yes so yeah so i'm glad they didn't try and carry on the pretense after that point because i think that at that point it would have gone you would have gone hang on this is this has gone into silliness so i think it's it's right and proper that he then owns up to avon and again mm. nice little nice little bit of backstory again one of these characters we've not really ever heard of but we're meant to accept that they're you know comparable with sort of what blake was doing etc yeah, no, I, I like the idea that he says, you know, I, I was um, like you, I was, you know, uh, uh, um, rebelling against the Federation. And, yeah. and uh, he had his, he says he has, he had his own ship and he was a bit of a mercenary, a bit like Del Grant, you know, who will be featuring yeah. soon on this show. Um, and he says he goes into battle against the aliens. His ship is hit. He's picked up by a Federation ship. And when that gets hit, his life capsule homes in on the Liberator and gets on board to find Clegg and his men already there. Now, that raised a bunch of questions for me, okay? That right. little uh, speech of his, which again was part of his uh, um, audition thing, and that's on the um, DVD extra as well. Right, he, I think you might have answered this first question of mine. He says he's wanted by the Federation, but when he's picked up by a Federation ship, he doesn't get arrested, okay? Yeah. Now, yes, if everything is a, a line drawing of the person with wanted underneath, you can explain that. But how did he get the Federation outfit? Okay, I, I'm, I'm guessing his own clothes were maybe, you know, burnt off of him or something like that because of his ship. Well, he does say that he went through Federation captain training school. So perhaps he yes. kept his, that was his souvenir. He kept his yeah. outfit. Uh, again, we need we're that... back to jumpsuits fitting perfectly, aren't we? We are. But we need yeah. that little thing again because we've got a note here. He said he's trained as a space captain, not yeah. a Starfleet captain or anything like that, but a space captain. Um, and he so says, do you think the... he had the same training? He was the equivalent of uh, Leyland in, yeah, uh, for season one. Yeah, something like that. Yes, yes. Um, and he says it, that he trained as a space captain, so he knew how to pose as one. And, yep. and he says that the uniform he was wearing outranks Clegg's. This is my next question. You <laughs> look at Clegg and Tarrant, their uniforms are identical. Ah, now, because we had a little discussion before this podcast recorded, and I think we've, we've answered that. Um, they're not identical because all the other guys have got a, a, a balaclava hanging out the back of their neck. Mm. So... Perhaps that denotes rank that a, a captain doesn't have a balaclava, never wears a helmet, has a perm. That's the that's the rank. Oh. We we might we might be belittling um, Tarrant's perm, and that might actually denote that he's officer class. Have we seen I've... any other officers with perms? 
No, see, that's why I thought he didn't have a balaclava because it wouldn't go yeah. over the perm. That's why well, that's he didn't have a balaclava. Too, yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, you know, he says he was a space captain and so we've got a space captain uniform here. We've got a section leader uniform, but yeah. we've already had established in the show that if you're an officer, you have that inverted triangle across your chest, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, well, again, we have we're, that. We're back to Blake Seven's horrible consistency record in clothing, uniform, equipment. Um, they they used to just make it up as they went along, but they could have just put perhaps stripes on Clegg mm. or something know, on the arm, or something on the yeah. wrist. Yeah, some pips. Just a little yeah, gold a pip badge. on the collar. Yeah, no, yeah. a little gold pip on the collar would have done. Two yep. for Tarrant, one for Clegg, something like that. It wouldn't have cost much money, would it? You know. No, just a button, a gold it, button that you've uh, hot glued on or something like that. Yeah, and Ness, um, when he came on board, he was wearing some sort of like sash that said, I'm in charge, and he's dumped that. But yeah, yeah it's, we, you find this a lot um, in, I won't say just Blake 7, because you get it a lot in BBC, Doctor Who shows, things like that, where the dialogue doesn't necessarily reflect what you're seeing on screen. <laughs> And it's We're almost back to the like the audio by, thing, aren't we? We are, yeah. It's it's almost like that. By the time they got to recording, it was just say your lines. Yeah. Don't don't vary them, <laughs> even though sometimes it it really creates a jarring yeah. uh, image on screen. And it's almost like if that was a film, they would have had time to to call the scriptwriter in to to have that line amended or yeah, sure. Sure. Which I, I just think the way they're feel, the way they're making this show, they ain't got time to do that. So no, they, no, they're on a schedule, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, very tight. My, my next question: um, docking of ships onto the Liberator. Okay, I'm yep. guessing at this point in the story, somewhere on the outer hull, you should have a docked Clegg's ship and Terence's life capsule. Okay, they should still be docked onto the Liberator somewhere. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, we don't know how big these ships are. And they, they've shown, uh, I mean, uh, in Death Squad, they showed that smaller ships can come into the hangar deck. And they do, I think in that episode, they do make mention of, um, oh, put the ship in hangar deck five yeah, or cargo there's bay five. more than five. one hangar bay, yes. Yeah. So you're right that those ships, oh, not necessarily docked on the outside, you know, coming along with it. They might be in, they might be inside. I mean, the, the escape pod, they might have, Tarrant might have jettisoned that because that might have had, they could have looked at it. They could have seen where it's gone. So he might, as soon as he's on board, yeah, it would make sense true. I think, for him to jettison that. Yeah, and and in the last episode, you do see when when Avon is talking to Zen, um, you do see Clegg's ship arrive. That beautiful yellow spaceship is is like yeah. flying over the hole. So that's too big. So maybe yeah, that did go into a hangar. But my last yeah. question on this bit is, um, surely the quickest way to check if Chevron. You know, Avon yeah. was telling the truth. He said that their life capsule docked onto the Liberator. Surely the quickest way to find out if he's telling the truth is go and find their life capsule. Yeah, you would have thought so. I mean, you <laughs> could, I, a lot of these questions come up, and I've been I, since I watched the episode last week. I'm sort of thinking, and you almost, you almost being being the fanboys that we are. You almost answer them yourself, don't you? You think up ways, which are not necessarily at all what the, the scriptwriters were thinking of. So, like, why don't they recognize, why don't they look at a picture and go, oh, it's Avon? Well, if there's no, there's no concept of mobile phones, things like that in this universe. So they've got, they can't, 
they can't use the ship's computers. So they're literally they're there with their guns and their boots and their uniforms, and they've got no outside connection. Mm. So you sort of you can you can answer these questions in a way, but it would have been nice if the the highly paid scriptwriters had done so, <laughs> rather than us. <laughs> rather than us, yeah. All these years later, yes, yeah. yes. All right, okay. Well, Clegg, he's in the teleport bay, and he gives them his ultimatum, doesn't he? Do you hear me out there? We hear you. You come in here, unarmed, or I kill the girl. Not a chance. She will die slowly and very noisily. Don't count on it. Well? We'll think about it. You've got five minutes. You'd better come up with something fast. Avon comes in and Clegg says he wants control of the ship and that they'll be put down on a planet except for Tarrant. He yeah, stays. Yeah, <laughs> Tarrant's going to get a kick in, isn't he? He's not. He's not letting him go. I'm ready to talk. I talk. You listen. We take over the ship. You program the computer to respond to my voice commands. I want complete control. What do we get? You'll be teleported onto the surface of the nearest planet. You can build your security into the computer program. It won't respond to me until you are safely off the ship. Don't do it, Avon. Well, I wouldn't, Dana, but I can't think of any alternative. There is no alternative. One more thing. Tarrant is not part of the deal. He stays. I have things to settle with him. He won't go along with that. Convince him. It's not because he's betrayed me. I think it's because Tarrant's told Clegg to do stuff, isn't it? It's Yeah. It's a face-saving thing, but yeah, he's been belittled, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, and uh, I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't vouch much for Tarrant's chances had Avon gone this route. I I reckon they would have strung him up outside the ship, you know, and they would have gone off to you know Space Command headquarters with Tarrant's body strapped strapped on the very (laughs) to the very prow of the Liberator. Yes, yes, but Avon tells him to take the magazine out of his gun. Yep. and give it to him. A guard, he then says, to fire one shot. Um, Tarrant Again, comes in and... It, what are they hmm. shooting at? They're going <laughs> to damage this ship. No, he's, he's taking the magazine out. Oh, oh no, no, true. the other guy no, fires. No, no they, yes, he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, what are they shooting at? Yeah, all right. But Tarrant comes in and he's captured. Uh, we've got the whole fisticuff scene and yeah. Dana throttles Clegg to death. Um, yeah. I... Now this this is how Dana should be. We sh- it's only her second ever episode, and you know, we know from the first one that you know she is this you know weapons expert and you know th- th- this brilliant hunter and fighter. This is how she should have been throughout the rest of the program, don't you think? I think so because she's she's supposedly this um, been brought up just by her dad, fighter. So she's not really got any social skills. She should have been more like Leela from Doctor yes. Who. Oh, that's than a good one. She yeah, became. yeah. yeah. Um, but it's nice to see her that she can do it. And it's not bad because we always we always uh, malign the stunt work if it's in the studio. And it shows they can do it. This is not too bad. It's not 100% convincing. But uh, I was quite surprised. Again, and it's you know I, I've seen these episodes several times. I was quite surprised again watching it this time that that Dana just kills him. I was thinking, yeah. oh, she must strangle him or something, and he falls to the bottom. Nope, she kills him. 
Yeah. See, that's very good. But if you look in the background, and I, I'm guessing you're not supposed to look in the background, what happens to the other two guards there? They're only punched. And one of the yeah. guys is only punched in the stomach, and he sort of sits down. He doesn't even fall down. He sits down on the steps. And as Dana goes to throttle Clegg, he kind of like looks up and then closes his eyes. Now, they're obviously not dead. So no, I... I, I imagine they were shortly afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, did they just put them out the airlock? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Also, we're also, and it's. I mean, it's not just Blake Seven that does this. It's true of pretty much anything. The the the, the supposed good guys. Are, I know they say, oh, these are death squad. So they're trying to make the 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 sort of mental image that these are the equivalent to the SS. These are the mm. you know the 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 death camp guards they but they're they're quite kill happy the good guys in this aren't they they, they don't are. they're very selective about who they offer crew places to because these guys might not have been very particularly willing federation guards and they might have had skills that were really useful more useful than tarrant well tarrant tarrant everything yeah. he said could have been a lie and yet very yeah. shortly he's going to be given voice control Complete and access control, to this whole yeah shit. Yeah, and yeah, you know it's... that he used to work in the Federation. Yeah, he could be a very clever plan. He could to get because this I wouldn't. This is almost Travis-style planning, isn't it? I mm. could see Travis planning this whole thing, this whole elaborate sequence, just to get someone on Blake's yes. crew. Yeah. But yeah, Avon's like that. It does jar a little bit, and again, it's this. I think if this storyline that had taken more episodes and we'd have gone further into the season before we're it's the fact that it's like at the end of this episode wham tarrant's a trusted member of the crew they're all mates now they're all buddies they're all you know it again it's this get the character in that is sort of a blake clone that's what it is that's totally what it is Yeah. yeah so the this show ends with, you know, Val, uh, Villa and Callie, they're teleported up. We're going to save the very end of this for, you know, yeah. for the episode that's going to be on their story, what happened to them on Chenga, okay? So that's that's that over. So we'll go on to behind the scenes, all right? Now, yeah. um, due to BBC rules at the time, uh, the producer of the show, David Maloney, um, he also directed this episode. Um, but because of the rules, he couldn't, have that credit as well so that's why there's no director credit on this episode yeah the bit again this is the the wonderful level of demarcation that that union controlled uh britain had at the time especially the bbc They're, yeah they, this happened a lot in doctor who and it where they they wouldn't allow a producer to write a script they wouldn't mm. allow a script editor to commission his own script that's probably sensible um but yeah it 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 was very much, but no one seemed to abide by the the spirit of these rules, no. and they found m- numerous ways of getting around them. So it was almost pointless. It was the same with Hammer, wasn't it? There was yeah. a, a, a a guy called was it Younger, a director called Younger, and Michael Carreras. Um, you know, he um, he, he he produced it and directed it, and so he called himself Elder, or it's the other way round, yeah. you know, same sort of thing. Yeah, it's all all, all, all to get round the unions, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah just to get round the, the 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 arbitrary and probably you know pointless rules. Yeah. All right, so we'll move on, and here we go. Why Clegg is spelt with a K? 
Oh, go on, then. Go on. All right. I think this is... I haven't seen it written anywhere, but I think this is potentially what's going on. In your time, you've been a uh, a fan of Judge Dredd, haven't you, in 2008? Yes, yeah. I, mem- yeah. I remember the Cleggs. Yeah. The Cleggs, exactly. That's what I was just <laughs> yeah. about to mention. The Cleggs were alien mercenaries. They looked like, you know, bipedal crocodiles, didn't they? About 10, 15 foot tall. And they did. They fir- yeah. yeah, and they first appeared in the Judge Dredd epic, The Day the Lord Died. Okay. Um, and that came out... Uh, okay, in January 1979, these clicks right. appeared in 2000 AD. This show aired in January 1980, one year later. So is it a coincidence, do you think? Um, I don't is know. It, it's, spelled, I... it's, it's an unusual name. It's an unusual yeah. word, and it's spelled exactly the same in would... 2000 AD and in Blake 7. Yeah, I would I would say there's there's merit in this if we would have had a scene where Michael Sheard eats part of Avon and then sings a little <laughs> song about it, um, uh. as the Cleggs were wont to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. It could work. We, it's very difficult to to pinpoint where ideas come from, isn't it? It's whenever you get interviewed to people, and they've got like with writers, and they say, "Where did your ideas come from?" And that's why plagiarism cases, I suppose, are so difficult because if you just change enough of the details, how can you prove? But yeah, you, I mean, you could be right that, that that when he was writing it that morning, he had read 2000 AD. Mm. You know, and it is just a name. I mean, you know, it, 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 yeah, they're alien mercenaries. You know, um, um, so it is just a name. It it, it could yeah. be just like, oh, that's an interesting name. There, I'll put that in a script because there was a. a ha- yeah, there was a Hammer film, wasn't there? Captain Clegg. Was that with a C or a K? I can't no, that remember. was with a C. Was it with a C? All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good... With a K, it's a good sort of monster-type name, isn't it? And and a bad guy name. You yeah. Know, you're not going to... You're not going to get a, 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 you know, a, a hero. You're not going to get a romantic lead called James Clegg, are you? No. You know, I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You're never going to you're never going to get a spy going. My name's Clegg, James Clegg. (laughs) He's not going to get in the casino. They're going to turf him out. Now, that's a smirsh name, isn't it? It's a spectre name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have a scar down his face and possibly be uh, a middle aged bald man. So I think we're we're spot on casting. again. (laughs) All he needed was the little fluffy white cat with him. Well, we don't know. There may be a cat loose on the Liberator now. Yeah. <laughs> a little fluffy white cat. On board that yellow ship that's still unattached. Yes, oh, yes. See, now, now I feel sorry for the cat, and it doesn't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's move on to him then. Michael shared, you know, uh, those of a certain age know him from Grange Hill, of course, the, uh, the British uh, children's TV series of the 70s and 80s did it go into the 90s i don't know if oh, grange hill was was still around i don't know it might have been it, it went it went horribly uh sort of updated didn't it for a, a while but i don't think it lasted long right i think yeah i think we we were the core audience for that yeah yeah the classic era yeah. um grange hill was late 70s wasn't it early 80s it yeah. says you've only got to hear a few bars of the theme song and anyone of a certain age their face will just sort of glaze over and they'll be in their memories i think 
I'll put Brilliant. it on the Facebook page for anybody yeah. mystified yet again by what what yeah. the hell we're go- going on about. Um, I'll put it on the Facebook page and you can. Do you think, uh, see do you think half doing. of these chats are just unintelligible to it? I mean, not only have we got the weird <laughs> accents, <laughs> someone, but someone weird references. Just, yeah. yeah, someone in Texas sat there saying, "You know what the hell are these people on about?" Right. Um, but yeah, Mr. Bronson was um, he he was that classic hard as nails character that had a heart of gold but mm. didn't really again sort of really everyone we sort of grew up he was he was the the teacher and the head teacher that we always wanted yes. and we never got yeah okay so yeah that's him yeah, um, i just wanted um because oh no i was going to mention something else about him yeah i, I was just going to say that um when i used to do the convention as that um we we met Michael Sheard a few times, and uh, the first time I ever met him, we were we were doing one of the cult TV uh, conventions, and probably people you know don't realise the work that goes into convention of of banal boring stuff like in this case it was stuffing the envelopes with the registration packs that you know the pack you're given <laughs> when you so we we were all sat there doing this, and uh, Michael Sheard wanders in, and it's like this this is this is Mr. Brunson in real life. And uh, he sort of he's bored. He's on it's on a, you know the the Thursday night before convention. He's bored, so he sits down and helps us out, and we we get to know him. He's a really nice fella. And then the next day we see him, he's wandering around with a stuffed Kermit the Frog sticking out of his trouser flies, just <laughs> chatting to people. And after speaking to him the night before, didn't bat an eyelid. It was like yeah. Michael Sheard, but yeah, he was, he was such a lovely fella. I don't, presumably, you must have met him. You've been to a few. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Only for afar. I, I, I've never spoke to him sadly, and of course, never will now because he he's passed, hasn't yeah. he? He was, um, he was like the uh, the Donald Pleasance of British TV, wasn't he? No, oh, he he was brilliant in anything he yeah. did. You know, Superb. he really, really was. Absolutely yeah. believable. He bought, he bought a level of quality to some to, to things that probably didn't have it so yeah i think he was worth his weight in gold I miss absolutely him. yeah and looking into him for you know this show i didn't realize that he had a quite a per- perchant for playing nazis on screen um, well, he played top nazi didn't he He's, he, he played, played yep yeah, yeah. he played top nazi five times Okay. He yeah. Played Hitler. He wasn't necessarily on film. But... <laughs> <laughs> he played Hitler five times. He played Himmler three times, and he played Goering once, which was in Alo Alo. So oh, I think right. he. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he was the go-to. Um, yeah, Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> the go-to Nazi. Yeah. I don't know. Is that something to be recommended? I don't know. I don't. But yeah, know. he was. Um, I think it was because he. He could play lovable, but he could also play just with a look horrendous mm. and horrible. And so I suppose it's it's almost sort of televisual shorthand, isn't it? Hired a guy that people already associate with. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. Or, or he could bring his own uniform. Yes. But I, that's, I'm not saying that. <laughs> for, anyway, for legal reasons, I'm not saying that. All right, fair enough. But for all those reasons that you just said there, I mean, when we're talking about the tallies, his genre tally, I think we may have our champion. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think really? of anybody I'm that might surprised. be able to beat that because <laughs> Mr. Shared here, he has a genre tally of a whopping 18. Okay. Wow. Are you going to go that, through them? 
I am going to go through it if you've got the time. Here Yay. we go. Right. Yeah. His very first genre appearance was in Doctor Who The Ark. Ah, right, yes. He was one of the scientists, wasn't he, wearing a toga? If you say so. I've never seen it, okay? Yeah. He was in Adam Adamant Lives, okay? A uh, program was... I've never seen. No, I've never seen it. Everybody really thinks it's it, it's really uh, really good, but uh, no, I've yeah. never seen it. Um, Randall and Hopkirk, I remember him in that. He was like an, a, a bad guy posing as an electrician who electrocutes people in the bath and stuff like that. It's one of those things you're watching an old ITC show and you go, ooh, it's such and such, and yeah. ooh, it's such and such. As You, know, you used some... to watch them for the guest cast, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. There's at least one. <laughs> yeah. every ep- every ITC episode um, and here we go in the next one and I remember this one as well Jason King I think he was an East Berliner in Jason King uh, we're back to Doctor Who in the mind of evil he played uh, Doctor Summers okay yeah. the next one you know him very much from um, in Pyramid of Mars he was Lawrence oh, Scarman Mar- yeah Lawrence Scarman Marcus's brother he's superb in that he is that brilliant, is, isn't he? Such and, pathos he brings And you to feel that so path. sorry for him when he yeah. dies as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, one that I really remember him from and was featured on, effectively speaking, ages ago, uh, is in Space 1999's Dragon's Domain. Yeah. yeah, he's good in that. He, he was the science officer in that. Um, one we mentioned a little while ago. I don't know if it was on this show or, effectively speaking, but uh, in Doctor Who, in The Invisible en- Enemy, with those massive <laughs> I eyebrows. I thought going to say The Invisible Enema. <laughs> That's a different episode, that is. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was in that. He was in The New Avengers. He was in The Tomorrow People. Um, just before Blake 7 here, he was in The Tomorrow People as, oh, what a surprise, Hitler. Um <laughs> He's Admiral Ozzel, of course, in The Empire Strikes Back, um, which Star Wars in character, they did a whole episode on him. And, you know, they just kept playing all the way through that choking scene where he says, (laughs) Lord Vader, we've come out of hyperspace and (laughs) they kept playing that bit every time. He was brilliant in that. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't know this, but he is actually um, in Raiders of the Lost Ark as... An uncredited U-boat captain in that bit near the end where uh, uh, the U-boat you yeah. know, captures the steamer and, and take Marion on board and Indy's on, make, on top. That makes sense because there, there was a lot of um, deleted and done scenes on the U-boat, wasn't there? So Indy was going to tie himself to the mast and there was going to be That's lots right, more yeah. stuff on it. Which made, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I, I'm going to have to rewatch that now to see him. Presumably he appears on screen, in it? Yeah, it just says he's uncredited, totally so cut. he is yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's back to Doctor Who next for Castro Valva. Um, then he's on The Invisible Man, the 1984 TV series. Uh, back to Doctor Who yet again for Remembrance of the Daleks, where he plays a school headmaster. That's um, true, yes. Yeah, Which you could, Dalek if you wanted control. to, tie this into Mr. Bronson, I suppose, somehow. It could have been Mr. Bronson's father or something, because yeah. that one takes place in the 60s, doesn't that, it? You're right, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where he plays Hitler. Doesn't say a word, but he's brilliant. You know, yeah. When he signs you know, Indiana Jones' yeah, book. Such a good <laughs> and his last genre uh, appearance is in something called Star Wars Order of the Sith Downfall. Which, that a game? Uh, it's a game or something or other. It's 2006. I think it's a game. Yeah, he, he just uh, he's the narrator in it. Okay. I was going to say, knowing, knowing the way they 
bring back characters and that and like in Star Wars, the expanded universe. I just wondered if it was perhaps Admiral Oz will come back with a mechanical larynx or something. <laughs> this blooming great neck brace on. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so that's his genre tally, which gives him a Star Wars tally of two. He's the first person ever to have appeared twice in a Star Wars product, Empire Strikes Back and this Order of the Sith thing, whatever it may be. And his who tally, I, will he be beaten? He's got a who tally of six. Okay. Uh, the Ark, Mine of Evil, Pyramids yeah. of Mars, The Invisible Enemy, Castra Valva, and Remembrance of the Daleks. I think we've got our champion on two tallies here. I think that on an episode count, if you add all those um, Doctor Who episodes up that he's appeared in, he may have appeared more than Colin Baker as the Doctor. <laughs> it's got to be close. That's strange, isn't it? Yeah. That is a strange thing. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's our um, episode over. Uh, our look at Section Leader Clegg, which uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed. I've, I've always loved the character. Uh, um, yeah. You know, Babe and the Butcher was always going to be the first choice for doing season three. And when I thought, oh, uh, second one, who shall it be? It had to be him. There's nobody else, I, I think, in season three that comes close um, no, to the enjoyment def factor. Yeah, he's definitely um, one of the best. I mean, in a different way to Collins, Babe and who's very over the, as we said, a very over-the-top character. This is a very believable, studded sort of portrait of evil. Mm. Um, re really, really worth If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Yes, Except please do. Please do. All right, that's the episode over. So uh, stay tuned for the next one. Um, the next one, we're paying our first return visit to Season 4, um, mm. where we're going to look at the episode <laughs> Assassin, and we're going to be talking about the character Cancer, but which one? Ooh, um, stay tuned to find out. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Bye. And see you next time. <laughs>